This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We got a lot to get to today and the rest of the week. Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer, will join me here in a little bit. Help me talk through Monday's newsy Timberwolves media day. We heard from new owners Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie. We heard from new basketball personnel boss Sachin Gupta. We heard from all the players. And then on Tuesday, we heard from Chris Finch, the head coach. So plenty to unpack there. A pretty significant Carl Anthony Towns quote, some arena talk. Um, and and how are how is Gupta empowered to make decisions in the wake of the firing of Gerson Rosas? Chris and I will get to all that in just a little bit. But first, what did I miss? I'm just thinking right now about the time of year we're in at the moment and the convergence of the sports calendar. And it can start to feel a little bit overwhelming if you let it in a wonderful way, if you just want to sit back and watch it all in a little bit more uh, kind of overpowering way if you are just trying to get your arms around all of the things that are happening and trying to talk about them or write about them. I just so I just made a list so it's kind of a way, I guess, too, to recap a couple of things that have slipped through here in, a, in you know a couple of times um, it, earlier this week. So here's what here's everything that's going on right now. We got Minnesota United against DC United soccer tonight. So that season is in full swing. Regular season winding down. Lo- Loons in playoff position right now but could kind of go anywhere from fourth to tenth anywhere from you know in the playoffs to having a home playoff game depending on how their season goes the rest of the way and I'll have John Marthaler on a show later this week to help break some of that down Gopher men's hockey opens this weekend against Alaska did you have any idea that that was happening maybe if you're a diehard you did that season always sneaks up on me and it is here this weekend and of course This weekend, you have the Vikings playing their fourth regular season game. Big one against Cleveland, of course, trying to even their record at 2-2, trying to keep some momentum going from the Seattle game, trying to avoid, you know, falling to 1-3, at which point all all the questions we were asking after the first two weeks would resurface. Go for football, plays Purdue on Saturday. Again, a team up and down all year, 2-2. Looked okay against Ohio State, almost, you know, but competitive with Ohio State for a few quarters in that opener. Barely beat Miami of Ohio. Shut out Colorado, then loses somehow as a 30-and-a-half point favorite to Bowling Green. What team will show up as they continue Big Ten play against Purdue? It is a very fair question, and uh, you know I'll be looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. But just another of the things that's happening right now. You see, go for basketball. Men's and women's start to practice, first official practices. Stories about that in the Star Tribune today, startribune.com. Ben Johnson's team talking about being a family. Um, we'll see how they perform on the court. I've got my I've got my concerns about how that will look right away. I want to give Ben Johnson plenty of time, but I don't think that's going to be a pretty product, at least initially. But, hey, I'm willing to be proven wrong. Yeah, Timberwolves in training camp, like I mentioned. Um, Chris Hines going to help us break down some of that here in just a little bit, like I said, but that is starting up already. And same with the Wild. They've got preseason games. They are in the midst of that. Their season isn't too far away from starting for real. We just ended the Lynx season, by the way. That could still be going on, actually, if they hadn't lost, hadn't been upset by Chicago on Sunday. 
Links would be in the would be in the WNBA semifinals right now, and that would be one more thing we would be looking forward to. Kind of a bummer for them. Um, I thought this was a pretty good year for them. Thought they made some big strides. Um, you know, after an 0-4 start to get to where they were was pretty impressive. But uh, they they couldn't finish the job this year. Couldn't at least get themselves into that you know into that best of five situation. And, uh, and they fell to Chicago on Sunday. So kind of retooling the roster in the offseason, seeing where they can add some pieces they might need to be a even bigger legitimate contender. And the twin season, still going on, you guys. You might have tuned out on it two, three, four, five months ago. But uh, that will end this weekend officially. Finally, Twins won 3-2 to two last night against Detroit. Still trying to avoid maybe 90 losses. That's about the only real drama left in this season if you want to really call it drama I don't know if you do it's not it's not big drama but you know twins right now are 70 and 87 they would need to go three and two in their last five games if they want to avoid a 90 loss season yeah it's just a round number it's not that big of a deal but you know there you have it so that that feels like a lot and I'm I'm overlooking stuff too you got division three football high school football got a bunch of other sports starting up their fall seasons right now now it's just it's so much it's tons of fun but it's also it's also a little bit overwhelming this time of year because there's so much to get to and you know speaking of that and i'll get to this a little bit later in the show too um twin cities marathon is this weekend i'm gonna have carrie tollison on a show uh probably tomorrow to help break that down to talk about her prospects in the field things like that so no matter what you like you've got something right now and I hope you are enjoying it and not being engulfed by it. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. like to welcome back Chris Hine on Daily Delivery. First five-time guest in Daily Delivery history and probably 15, 20-time guest by now. Um, emergency <laughs> guest last week when we learned of the firing of Gerson Rosas and now with me on a more uh, on a less emergency basis. Do I get like two appearances for coming on as an emergency guest? Is that uh, do I get do I get paid extra for that? You should. You should. Oh, by the way, did did you know that there's did you notice uh I think Randball Stu tagged you in the tweet the other day. There's a uh, Carol King tribute at Turf Club in not too long. Did you see that? Oh no, I didn't. Uh, I mean, that must have gotten lost in my incredibly busy week last week. <laughs> I think it was yeah, a couple days ago they announced was it. it? Like yeah, a, it's like a Carol King and some one other. He was Joni Mitchell, I think. Tribute. Probably Joni Mitchell. Yeah, they, there's a lot of Carol King Joni Mitchell dual tributes that go on. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look this up. I'm gonna have to check it out for sure. Well, this is not uh, this is not a Joni Mitchell tribute or a, a Carol King tribute podcast, but uh, we do we do dabble in the Carol King from time to time here. That's That's, right. That said, there is plenty to get to from Timberwolves Media Day. Chris, of course, covers the Wolves for the Star Tribune. Sometimes wishes he never had ever heard of that team or heard of Minnesota, but it's newsy <laughs> and it's uh, it's interesting. It uh, it doesn't really it doesn't really let up. And I thought Media Day on Monday was. A lot of things came from it, and so I want to kind of pick your brain on a number of subjects, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. maybe right off the bat, the introduction of you know, the, the ownership group that's going to take over here in a year or two, Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie. Maybe just throw it to you initially for your 
your takes on or your kind of your takeaways, I guess, on, on the big the big things that they had to say? So I think I came away with a, a couple different things. Number one is that as it relates to the president, the basketball presidency, there doesn't seem to be an immediate urgency to find the permanent uh, successor. The thing I, the, the vibe I got from yesterday and, and, you know, kind of seeing what's been going on the last few days is that they're fine with Sachin Gupta running the day-to-day operations for now. Um, and he's going to be handling Ben Simmons talks and, and has, you know, seemingly the authority to make a, a huge trade like that. If it, if it comes down to it, they do not seem in any hurry as of now to, to fill that position. That's just the vibe I got yesterday. Number two is new stadium possibility, but we're probably a, a year, a couple of years away at least before that becomes any kind of serious material thing. Uh, Mark Laurie said that, you know, it's definitely something that, that they've, they've thought about a little bit that, you know, that they, I think they would like to have it, but it's, it's so far off in the distance right now that it's not going to be anything immediate as it relates to a new arena. So, you know, if you're, if you're wondering about that, it's, it's definitely on the radar, but we're, we're a ways away from that happening yet. And I think number three is, you know, you had A-Rod come out and say that, look, they're, they're invested here in Minnesota. They are, uh, they they don't have any plans to move. And, you know, that, that was basically his exact quote from yesterday was, no plans to move. They're invested in Minnesota, and that's the that's the game plan moving forward here. So those are the, those are the three big takeaways I had from from that press conference uh, yesterday. I think the last two are connected, right? I mean, you've seen this play out time and time again in this market, other markets. When you know ownership comes in, you know, especially I think back to the Vikings immediately when you know the Wilf family bought the team around 2005. It was you know, there, there's always this kind of looming threat of relocation if a new stadium, arena, whatever it is in the sport, is not built. So I do wonder, you know, kind of how how those two things will be linked as time goes on. Again, right? Either, uh, Target Center was just remodeled, by the way, so that that feels, you know, that piece of it. I know it's not remodeled to be, you know, it maybe it maybe it got remodeled to be better than the worst in the league and got you know into maybe more of the you know. Not the worst, but still not in the not in the top 10, 15 even yet. Um, But, you know, if it does feel like those two things, you know, if if they're not making stadium arena progress at a certain point, then I'll be curious to see how patient they are. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, do they start to to play that card of, of relocation? Right. Which is always the the leverage that you try to to wield. Um, in a situation like that, if you're trying to get public money for it. So we'll see how that, how that process plays out, but you know, they're still two years away from being the controlling owners to start with. So, um, you know, it's, it's a long, it's a long timeline um, at that point. And we'll see, we'll see if I'm even still the Wolves beat writer by the time we get to that, that point in time, who, who knows what the future holds, right? Who knows? Um, and, you know, as it relates to Gupta, Sachin Gupta, who has taken over basically the, the big decision-making responsibilities, and you say, you know, not a hurry to name any kind of permanent successor beyond him. Um, just did they give any, did they tip their hand at all in terms of like, wow, kind of like what a, what a week to kind of step into or, or things like that, or what a, you know, just the kind of, 
they're, they're, they're coming into this ownership situation and here's this kind of messy situation right off the bat with Gerson Rosas. Well, I, you know, I don't know if, if they would, if like A-Rod and Lori would consider it messy, right? You know, they're coming into this situation. I think they identified pretty quickly a change that had to be made or in their eyes and they did it. And so I don't know, I don't know if they consider it necessarily messy. Um, Glenn Taylor yesterday, you know, gave a pretty strong vote of confidence, I thought, to Sachin Gupta. Um, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's in, it was in my story today. Um, basically said that they're, pre- they're fine with him kind of running the day-to-day operations. He didn't say so on a permanent basis, but, but yeah, it, it definitely seems like uh, they're okay with that. And, you know, they didn't really talk much about uh, Rosas' firing. They're, they're holding a they're conducting an investigation internally and, and Glenn Taylor slated legal issues as to why they could not really discuss the firing um, of Gerson Rosas. And I asked, I tried to ask Mark Laurie a question um, around that and said, basically like, what are you trying to communicate to fans with the events of the last week? And he gave no comment. Um, Alex Rodriguez did give an answer to that same question. And, you know, he said basically that, you know, these are just kind of the values that they're trying to put forth in the organization. And, you know, uh, that's, that's basically how they view this. They saw a change that I think from their point of view that needed to be made, it needed to be made now. Um, and it couldn't wait. And that's, that's, that's where we are today. I imagine that piece of it from, from Lori, the no comment was and, and Taylor's statement probably had to do with, I wonder if there's an issue of just cause things like that and what, what pay, Rosas might be entitled to from the firing. I would, but if, if I had to guess, that would be my guess at it. That would that would be my guess as well. Yeah. Um. So Gupta, you know, we we talked about him a little bit on the emergency podcast last week. You've written extensively about him. Uh, you did a pretty big piece on him, I believe. Uh, was it last year? Or how? When was that that you wrote the the bigger piece on I've, Gupta? I did two kind of separate pieces on him in the past. I did one. I think right maybe like a month or so before COVID hit on him. Right. Um, I, did a, I did a story on him and uh, Daniel Adler, who's a, an assistant GM for the twins and, and they're pretty good friends. And so, you know, have kind of similar jobs in different sports. So I just did a story about their relationship and how they approach their respective jobs being kind of analytically minded the way that they are. And then before the 2020 draft, before they drafted Anthony Edwards, I spoke with Sachin about uh, kind of just the, the art of making trades in general. And, you know, the, I think the, the relevant, I, I put this out on Twitter uh, last week, but the relevant section that I got from, from that story that, as it pertains now was I think a, a couple chunks of that story where I talked with Sachin about like, is it easier to make trades when you know, like the people that you're negotiating with, when you have a, a previous relationship with them? And he said he, he thinks it is like he definitely thinks it is easier because you, there's a trust there. There's a, there's a level of trust. You kind of know who you're dealing with, what to expect. And it can be easier to make trades with people that you're familiar with. Well, he's very familiar with people in the Philadelphia organization. Uh, he worked for Daryl Morey. They have a good relationship. He's he worked for Philadelphia um, for a while and just knows people in the organization there. So there's a lot of common threads there. But that he has with the Philadelphia organization that would seemingly make any potential deal easier or at least kind of easy, easy in that sense. Now, Gerson had the same ties, but you know, 
you hear these stories about how Gerson is a very tough negotiator. I'm not sure Sachin is quite the same way from, from what I've gathered. So we'll see if that maybe opens up some dialogue here as, as Philly inevitably has to face the music that Ben Simmons is not coming back uh, as much as they might want him to at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. I thought that piece was very interesting of, you know, the, the Maury connection and, you know, just basically Gupta being familiar with, you know, making complicated trades, which like we talked about, I think last week, this any anything they were going to try to do with Ben Simmons probably gets complicated, probably has to involve a third team to, to make sure that the, the right kind of star player is going back to Philadelphia. I mean, in my head, I keep thinking Washington is so obvious, but it, Washington has to want to do this too. Like the Bradley Beal piece, like Washington's going nowhere. If, if, if Bradley Beal can come unstuck, that would feel like the right combination of young players, picks, star players kind of moving around. But yeah, you know, just the, the familiarity and that the trade, the trade machine stuff, does does still make me wonder, you know, if if they are still in a spot that that a Simmons a, a Simmons move could come off. Yeah, and I I think if if anybody can put together a three team four team trade, it is Sachin Gupta, and he was uh, involved in making the four team trade that they had uh, a month before COVID uh, hit, and so he's he's got experience with this. He's done it before. He's very creative, outside the box thinker, uh, using using the cap to their, their advantage as are the collective bargaining agreements to their advantage as best they could. So in terms of trying to execute this particular trade, I think, you know, I think the, the organization is in, is in as capable of hands as, as it could be given the, given the situation. Now, obviously all the players talked on, uh, on Monday as well. You know, I think Anthony Edwards was kind of all smiles. D'Angelo Russell maybe had some interesting comments about, you know, basically, getting into great shape, kind of gunning for that next contract, essentially, um, and wanting to have a good season. But those two things kind of go hand in hand. But Carl Anthony Towns, certainly the most interesting of all of them. I want to play a clip at the outset here before we talk to talk about Towns. This was Carl Anthony Towns when kind of asked about everything that had happened in the last week and just kind of how that how that makes him think about the organization, essentially. What happened last week, it just added to the list. You know, it's just the same thing every single time. You know, it's something that's always leads to instability. And I joked about it the day before that I was like, man, it's been a real quiet offseason for Minnesota. It's very different. Boom. Made sure they had one left in the hat. So, really, uh, I've, I've, I've been through almost like I feel like everything. Like, I, I don't feel like I've not seen something. You know, I... I've been through everything, been through death of a head coach who, who gave me this ability and this chance to play for Minnesota, and I'm forever grateful to the Saunders family, and uh, I owe it my life in a way. Um, I've been through numerous front offices. I've been through numerous regimes. Um, I've, while being blessed to have so many great teammates to play with, I've also didn't have a chance to really build any true relationships with anybody because always instability, always change. So Chris, you wrote, I believe you wrote a sidebar. Somebody wrote a sidebar kind of about Kent, Kent, Kent. Kent wrote the sidebar. Sorry yeah. about Kent, Kent Youngblood wrote the sidebar about towns. You were obviously there though, too. What was your takeaway of kind of his, his comments and kind of like the, yeah, this is a kind of a mess situation here or has been problematic as time <laughs> has been on. Yeah. You know, I, 
I feel like we hear this every so often from Carl and he's right though. Like, yeah, he's not wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong. Right. (laughs) Like, like every time he says something like this, it's like, it's always because another, another thing has happened, you know, whether it was Ryan Saunders getting fired mid season last year. Right. Uh, This happens with Gerson this year, two years ago, it happens when Tibbs gets fired and then they bring in Gerson. It's like, and it's like, yeah, he's, he's absolutely right. And you, you, you look at the number of GMs and coaches that he's been through and in, where is it now? Seven, this is the seventh season, I believe coming up here. Like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. He's right. He's right to be frustrated. And, you know, and maybe other players in his situation would have asked out by now, you know, uh, you know, that's going to be obviously a big thing to watch over the next year is how does this year play out? How does how does he react with his with his contract situation? As you've noted before, you know, coming into two years remaining on a, on, a, on a deal like this is is a is a pretty good time, or at least has traditionally been a time where guys have asked out of contracts or asked out of situations via trade. Um, you know, we'll see we'll see how that we'll see how that plays out. Um, I I do think you know if there is a I don't say a glimmer of hope, but like a little bit of continuity is that at least he still has the same coach. You know, Chris Finch is still there. Yeah. Since trying, February. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> trying to at least build on what they were doing on the floor last year. That I don't think changes that much in terms of just the on the court, what you're going to be doing for those 48 minutes night in and night out. So there's at least a little bit of stability there. And we did see a little bit of improvement towards the end of the year last year. Russell is still there. They, they started, they found some chemistry, I think late in the year after not playing with each other for most of their time here. So, but yeah, but there's instability at the top, right? Like, you know, a new president could come in and have a very different vision of what this roster looks like. And, and before you know it, you know, the, the, the roster is changing again around him and that's more instability. Right. So so we'll see. I think for the immediate future, there's still a lot unknown. There's the you know, not much really, not much really changes. And you just get the vibe too, like with, with players. Um, I think I think a lot of times as it relates to changes in the front office and things like that, or, or ownership, they don't really care that much. Right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really affect their lives all that much, right? Like they just go, they they practice, you know, changing changes to the coaching staff affect their lives more so than I think, you know, front office maneuverings or, or ownership maneuverings. So it's, it's a mixed bag. I think that's interesting. And it's, you know, again, Gupta is very fresh to this role, but it, it, it always felt like Rosas, in addition to having a, obviously the, the, the final say in roster decisions had a very clear idea of how he wanted to play. And, you know, whether that was only showing up in, personnel decisions or if that was showing up in you know specific instructions to Ryan Saunders or to Chris Finch on the hey hey this is the type the type of team we want to be do we get this maybe it's probably too soon to to say but do we get the sense of at all of what Sashin Gupta's kind of philosophy of winning basketball is and and how much he will try to influence that with you know not just the moves he makes but kind of the direction he gives to to people below him yeah, haven't really gotten a sense for that, and haven't you know? I think when if I get a chance to speak to Sachin more in depth before the season, that's definitely going to be front of mind uh, when we ask him. Just you know, kind of what is your 
day-to-day going to look like in terms of how you communicate with Chris Finch, how you influence decisions or, or, you know, philosophy of play, you know, now that you're the, now that you're the head guy, I don't think it's going to differ all that much because, you know, Gerson Roses did, you know, in terms of building this roster and making it three point heavy transition, like all that, all that stuff is based on analytics. Right. And that's, that's such a group's wheelhouse. So I don't anticipate you know, at least from that perspective, too much of a philosophy shift, especially when you have the roster that you have. Um, so I, I guess if I, if I had to guess, I, I wouldn't anticipate there would be much of a stylistic change from that standpoint. Last thought for you, Chris Hine, uh, Chris Finch mm-hmm. talked to the media on Tuesday. Um, anything from that, obviously first opportunity to ask him about the Rosas firing and that's the guy who hired him. Any, any, any big takeaways from, from getting to hear from the head coach? Yeah. I, you know, I think one thing about Finch, I'm going to try to, to make this a, a part of my story is he is a very laid back kind of guy. Yeah. Like um, he, he's very easygoing. Doesn't seem to let anything really bother him or affect him too much. Yes. He and Gerson were, were friends, um, but you know, he's, he's worked in, he's worked in the NBA without Gerson for, for many years at this point. Um, he's worked with Sachin before in Houston. So there's a relationship there. There's, I think they, they get along uh, very well. And I think he just wants to just go out and coach basketball. It's what he does. It's what he loves. Um, that's, that's kind of the vibe I get from, you know, he came out yesterday. Um, you know, we were kind of waiting around for all the players to come through. He just kind of came out to, you know, talk to us reporters and just kind of, you know, uh, BS around for a little bit. Can I say that on your podcast? Yeah, I think okay? so. Yes. You, just, you just, you did. So it's fine. Yeah. I just did. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the guy that he is and has been like in the, in the short time that we've gotten to know him, just very easygoing, laid back. Um, uh, so, so I don't, I don't see this really affecting him all that much, to be honest with you. Well, we'll get a better sense of how much this all has affected them. I think you're right. It's, it's not a, it, the, the front office stuff, unless big roster changes follow, probably doesn't have as much impact on the players as we might think. But, you know, it's, it's a big year. It's a pivotal year. And, you know, a newsy, uh, newsy last week and newsy media day certainly will uh, give us plenty to think about and keep in, our, in the front of our brains mm-hmm. as camp and the start of the season goes on. Uh, Chris Hein, good stuff. We'll do this again soon, all right? Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Enjoyed that conversation, as I always do, with Chris Hind. He does a great job covering the Wolves for the Star Tribune. He's going to have plenty of storylines to keep track of this season. I think Chris Finch is kind of an underrated part of holding all of this together as the head coach, as someone who you know whose systems gave them a little bit of momentum at the end of last season, as someone who maybe has the right personality to you know, to kind of keep things in order, like Chris, like Chris Hine mentioned, he's got he's pretty even keel, pretty laid back, and you know he's he's the kind of guy who could find success here with this team. But you know, again, his tenure here has been very uh, very chaotic at the beginning. He's hired in the middle of last season um, during the pandemic, you know, during a pandemic essentially, and now he's uh, you know he's brought into a situation where the guy who hired him is now gone. So how does he respond to all that? How does that play out in his mind? Will be something to watch, I think, as time goes on this season. And how how can he put his style and imprint on this team right away? Because this team needs to get off to a good start. We don't want to see them 
floundering and you know losing faith in what they might have going here. That will do it for today. Some good stuff coming up on the next couple days' worth of shows. Should have John Marthaler to talk soccer soon here. Kerry Tollison to talk Twin Cities Marathon. Should have NFL picks. And uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. What am I forgetting? We got we got plenty of other good stuff coming up this week. Oh, yeah, Phil Miller. Phil Miller talking Twins probably on Thursday's show. Going to kind of wrap up that season, even if that season isn't quite done yet. So please hang out for all of that this week. Listen back to anything you missed earlier this week. Always write a review if possible for this podcast. Download it and subscribe to StarTribune.com. And we'll see you again on Thursday.